Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Hey, go ahead and grab a seat. Welcome those of you joining us online. Welcome here in the room. We're kicking off a really uh, exciting series I'm pumped about. It's called Our Calling. And uh, I'll just apologize right now if I seem a little amped today. It's not extra coffee. Uh, It's actually, uh, this is no exaggeration, a miracle that I got to uh, witness this last week. And I'm going to tell you about it later in our time. I cannot wait. Uh, I'm going to try to hold back. Uh, But until then, let me kick it off this way by saying, if you're our guest, we're so glad that you're with us. This uh, series is really kind of like a family meeting. So if you're a guest, it's almost like you get to uh, be a a viewer as we have a family meeting at the kitchen table, you know, like uh, talk family stuff. And so glad you're here. We've got a gift for you at our Connection Corner. And I'm guessing if you're a guest and you're here, it's probably not an accident. Maybe God wants you to be part of what we're doing as a church. So here's what we do as a movement. We connect people to Jesus and to others who will help them follow Jesus. That sounds incredibly simple. Uh, It's actually hard work, and it's actually the most important work in the world. Here's why, because of the implications. When a person gets connected to Jesus, if you get connected to Jesus, it'll affect your marriage, it'll affect your career, it'll affect your parenting, your inner peace, Uh, It's the pathway to getting free from addiction, free from shame. It's the only way to know that you've got eternal life, that you'll spend uh, the rest of your life after this earth in heaven with God. And so this is really the most important work in the world, to bring people to Jesus who described himself as the bread of life, as the living water, as the way, the truth, as the light who guides us. So how do we as a movement go about this? Well, in one sense, we go about this thousands of different ways because every member here is a minister. Every one of us who believed in Jesus, we go out to our schools, our workplaces, our homes, and each of us, God's working through us to bring others to Jesus. And so there are thousands of ministries here and hundreds of formal ministries and groups, but we really organize it all under three primary callings that are unique to us as a church. Each church kind of has its own fingerprint. And as a movement that is following Jesus and staying true to his word, these are the three things that we know we are specifically called to. The first is to maximize and multiply. That might sound really weird, but what we mean is this. For you, as an individual Christian, we want to help maximize your life in Christ. We want more than just one moment of decision where where you were moved and you believed. Uh, That's where it starts, but that's not where it ends. We want to then teach you a life of surrender to Jesus and what it looks like for Jesus to affect every area of your life. So as you do that, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life to the full and your life maximizes. As you grow in Christ, you'll start to be able to invite some of your relatives, some of your coworkers and friends And then you'll see Jesus work in their life. And that's what we mean by multiplying. 
So maximize and multiply is true of every individual follower of Jesus. That's God's plan for you. It's also true for us as a location, uh, that we have maximized this location and that we're now starting to multiply in God's pace, in God's timing, similar locations around Indianapolis. Second unique part of our vision is to raise the strongest generation. This is really something God has uniquely called us to at Connection Point. It's the heartbeat of our ministry, that from birth to age 18, all the way through the 20s, we want to be a church that's raising young people who love Jesus, who are on fire for him, and who really defy the national trend right now where most of the U.S. is gradually turning away from Christianity and the Bible. And what we want is to raise young people who aren't part of some stodgy religious thing, but who have a vibrant, dynamic relationship with God through Jesus, who know the Word of God. And this is really the long play on our vision. Because what we see is uh, when we see a, a toddler over in our kid's city or we see a sophomore in high school in our high school ministry, what we see is the future leaders of Indiana. We envision lawmakers and homemakers, engineers, business owners, workers of all kind shaping the culture of Indiana 25 years from now because they were raised to know God through various connection point locations. And then the third unique part of our vision is to amplify Jesus in, in two specific ways that go way beyond uh, this building or people who will ever meet ourselves, and that is our missions movement. We have 26 missionaries around the world. What is a missionary? It's someone who takes Jesus to a culture where Jesus is not known or is less known. So five of those missionaries we support are people who grew up here and they were kids here, and we sent them out as part of our strongest generation. Now, the new expression of missions that we've added to that is our online ministry that we've actually got on a weekend like this, more people with us online than in the room. And we also have thousands of people with us every day using our daily devotionals. So what is your role in our calling? I'm going to answer three questions about that for you today. Really normal questions. If I was sitting where you're sitting Here's the first thing I'd be wondering, why should I care, right? Like, why should you care about what God's doing through Connection Point? Second, what is it that we're doing? And then third, how can you be part of it? If you're at a point in your relationship with God where you really want to be part of a vibrant, dynamic movement of God, how can you be part of it? Now, I mentioned earlier, if I'm a little jittery, it is because of this miracle I got to experience this week. I'm not going to tell it to you yet, but let me give you a little more background, okay? Back in January, we were teaching on prayer, and I showed you guys this verse from John 15, where Jesus said, if you abide in me, and if my words abide in you, then ask whatever you wish, and it will be granted. Now, some people have misused this verse to to make God reduce him to a genie in a bottle, right? And like we get to make God do whatever we want. But in January, I shared that uh, these last few years as I've been seeking to live this verse, and especially the part that says, if my words abide in you. In other words, as we live and we constantly reprioritize our own values and emotions and decisions to say, Jesus, what do you want me to care about? What do you want me to be doing in the world? That changes what we pray for. And I shared with you in January that really pretty remarkably in recent years, as I'm praying more and more for God to do things through me and around me than for me, that I'm really seeing him very often do exactly this, bring these things about. But I shared back in January, and you can look this up back on our, our website, that there are two things 
that I've been praying for for nine years that have not yet been answered. And I shared within that that there's a humility of trusting that God is sovereign and, and we don't get to pick the miracles he does. And yet, I continue to choose a childlike faith where I kneel at the side of my bed most nights and I still pray for these two things that I've been praying for for 15 years. And one of them is what I'll share with you later. But right now, I want to focus on this. I want to focus on how it felt, what it was like this week when God answered this prayer, how exhilarating it has been. I feel like I won the lottery, and winning the lottery isn't what I was praying for, okay? (laughs) I feel like I won the lottery. I'm just smiling from ear to ear, and here's the thing. It is so exhilarating in life when you pray for big things and when you step out to serve God and it looks impossible, but you keep choosing it and then he shows up and he does it. And it's like, wow, God's alive. He's at work. He's responding to my faith and it's changing things. So here's my question for you. Have you ever had that happen? Have you ever experienced God in a tangible way? And that's the question we're going to answer today. How can you experience God working tangibly? When something's tangible, it's something you can feel. Like this table for me is tangible. How can you experience God in in a way that literally affects your life and the lives of others? If I could tell you that today, would you want to know how? If I could tell you how uh, you can experience God these next 12 months in your marriage or in your career, in your parenting, in your family, maybe in your inner life, would you want to know how? Well, we're coming off of this series in April where we learned that God responds to faith, especially faith wrapped in surrender. A surrendered faith, God is alive and active and he responds to that. We're gonna pick up in this story where there's a crowd of 10 to 12,000 hungry people It's the end of the day. They're out in the middle of nowhere. Jesus has been doing healings. He's been preaching. And they're all not only hungry, but probably at this point, hangry. And the disciples are as well. So the disciples say, Jesus, send these people away. There's nowhere for them to eat. And Jesus tells them that isn't necessary. And then Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, you feed them. Well, the disciples felt like you and I would feel. And Philip answers, and he says this, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread just for each of them to have one bite. And last week we said, imagine that right now someone said to you, hey, I need 12,000 meals for people. Where would you go? You go like Kroger, Meyer, Subway, McAllister's. If you could even get 12,000 meals, how much would that cost? And that's, what, that's what's going through the minds of the disciples. It's like, that's a lot of money. We don't have that money, and there's not a store around here anyway. And we learned last week that while God starts in your life doing miracles in you, and very often God will do miracles for you, that the most exhilarating miracles are the miracles God does through you to help others. And that really this is part of your maturing as you go from a spiritual infant to uh, growing up in Christ that you get to be part of God doing miracles through you to feed other people. But this moment will happen as you grow in Jesus where he'll put a burden on your heart for something that's broken in the world. 
And you'll essentially hear him say, you feed them or you help them. And you'll look at your resources and you'll say, how could I? How could I make a difference? This has been the case uh, for me with our movement here. Because I see what God's doing here in Brownsburg. I see husbands changing and moms changing and kids changing. Uh, I, I see kids, there's a family in our church where the kids were in child protective services because of addiction issues for both of the parents. The dad came to Christ, led the mom to Christ. They both got baptized. They've been going through one of our ministries. Now they both have stable jobs. Those kids are back home. I mean, this whole family is transformed. And yeah, God is at work. But here's the thing. I drive around Indianapolis and I look at all these similar communities, similar suburbs around the city. And I feel God saying, you feed them. Like, take, take what I'm doing in Brownsburg there. And I feel just like Philip. It's like, how, how could I? How could we? Here's where we're at as a church. Through your faithful giving, God supplies our needs to do the ministries that we're doing. But we don't have like a big endowment like a university might have. We don't have some giant bank account where we could just start other locations and start other ministries unless God provides. Well, in this story, God's going to provide through this little boy who has five small barley loaves, two little fish. So the disciples, they ask, who here has food? This little boy is the only guy who had packed a lunch, and now he has to give his lunch. He chooses to give his lunch. But even as the disciples take that in their hands, they think, how far is this going to go among so many? Did you know that the Indianapolis metro area, the city and the suburbs combined, has about 2 million people in it? So if we look at that as our primary mission field, as big of a movement as this is in one city, it's pretty daunting to think, how could we reach all the people who God wants us to feed spiritually in Indianapolis? Well, one of my little expressions of faith of bringing the bread and the fish that I have are these letters. Every three months, our team sends out these letters to churches, specifically in the communities that we believe God's calling us to go to. And we'll send these letters knowing that there are, are quite a few church buildings that if you drive by on a Sunday, there's maybe five or ten cars there, and the building's sitting there and is fairly empty. Now, we've been doing this by faith for about three years, and you'd be surprised how many responses we get. Pretty much none. <laughs> uh, the first response we got was really a God thing. It was last year. A church in Avon, which is an area we'd been praying about, reached out to us, and they said, uh, we see what you guys are doing. We think we want to merge with you. We said, awesome. This is exciting. Uh, and then we looked into it, and they didn't have a building. We thought, well, we were kind of hoping to get a building, but, but as we got to know them, it was clear God was working in this little group, and they were meeting in the Avon Middle School. They had all the equipment to set up and tear down and host church there, so we prayed with them. And we launched our Avon location around this time last year. Here's a picture from that commissioning here. Right here in this room, there were about 75 from here who said, I will serve for a year or two by driving down to Avon and being part of the group that really gets that location going. And for those 75, that was their loaves and their fish was their time. 
And for the rest of us, it's been our, our money and our prayers to say, we'll invest in a location down at Avon Middle School. Well, a year later on Easter, 430 people at the Avon location. Absolutely a God thing. That might not, mean a, might not mean a lot to you, but I'll put this in perspective. So the first church God called me and my wife Mel to serve started with 40. And by the time we had grown to 500, it had been about five years. So this location was having about 110 people last summer. For it to have 430 at Easter is truly a God thing. But even bigger than that is that of those, there are 15 new believers who've been baptized at Avon. And so I think about this, 75 stepped out and already within a year, 15 who've placed their faith in Christ and who've been baptized. And so what's God doing? He's taking what we're putting in his hands, as humble as it seems, and he's multiplying it. I remember the first time I I got to meet with that group over at Avon and, and telling them from little acorns, mighty oaks. Don't despise humble beginnings. Little is much when the Lord is in it. And I believe that location is going to continue to grow and reach people for Jesus. That's what happened here in this story. Jesus took the loaves. He gave thanks to the Father. And then he just starts distributing the bread to the people. And without a lot of fanfare or even declaration that he was doing a miracle, the miracle just happens. People keep passing the bread and somehow it just keeps going. It's sort of understated miracle. And then he does the same thing with the fish. And slowly people's eyes are opening up and they're realizing how, how is this happening? It's a miraculous multiplication. And my favorite sentence of the story is this end of verse 11 where it says, they all ate as much as they wanted. And the reason I love this sentence is they all includes that little boy. When he gave his lunch, he wasn't expecting to get it back. And for us, here's what you've got to know. When you bring what you have to be part of what God's doing, not in response to human manipulation, not to please some person, but out of a heart to please God and be part of him feeding people. Bring what you have to be part of what God's doing. You will not go hungry. When you bring what you have, I mean, I've seen this in my own life as my wife and me have reprioritized our very existence around trying to feed people and we've seen it in so many people in churches around the country. Bring what you have to join God in what he's doing, and you won't go hungry. So let's answer that question from the start. How can you experience God working tangibly, undeniably in your life? The answer is this, place some tangible thing, something that actually matters, not just a feeling, but like some actual treasure, some actual time in your schedule, something of meaning, something that will cost you. Place it into Jesus' hands, choosing to believe that he will multiply it. And and as you do, praying, God, I'm giving this as a gift to you because I love you and I worship you. And I pray that you would use this to feed others. And what I've experienced is that the more it costs you, the more you experience God, he responds to our faith. Well, five years ago here in the month of May, this is what we as a movement did, this entire church 
we sensed God leading us to step forward in those three areas that I described for you at the beginning. Uh, Our location, our next generation, and within missions, we were launching our digital or online ministry. Five years ago, it didn't exist. Uh, We didn't have a live stream. We didn't have any daily devotionals. And, And here's what's beautiful. God responded. Here's a picture of one brother in our church. Hundreds of us gathered together and committed to make sacrificial commitments specifically to God so that he would multiply his work. Now, here we are five years later, and all that bread and all that fish, all that time and all that money, God has multiplied it to feed thousands of people. Bottom line is this, God is alive today, and he still responds to faith in action. Those gifts of faith did a number of things. First, they carried this church through a transition from a senior pastor who'd been here for 30 years, who's a phenomenal leader. A lot of churches never quite recover after a leader like that retires. But God carried us through. Then he carried us through a global pandemic. And not only did he carry us through, but he's used those gifts to more than double the number of people who are engaged in our church. Maybe the most unbelievable part of the multiplying that God did five years ago was the digital part of our vision. It might be hard to imagine now, but if you think back before COVID, before shop, you know, you you couldn't order your groceries on an app yet. You couldn't work from home yet. It was a totally different world. And yet, as the elders and I prayed and we thought, do we start doing other physical locations? We just had this sense, clear sense from God Start with digital, and then once that's really going well, then do other locations. Well, we had no idea that COVID was coming. It's not like we're smart and had it figured out. We just prayed, and we sought God, and we actually, at the time, the digital ministry was confusing to some people. I won't name their names, but there were, you know, a handful of families that left because they're like, okay, we, we understand giving to a building. We understand giving for our kids. But this digital thing just doesn't make sense. Why would a church do that? But, but hundreds of us said, we believe and we're just going to give what we have. And then when COVID hit and the whole world shut down, we were ready. We had all these online tools for daily devotions, for our movement to stay connected. And God used it to not only carry our church through but to bring in a bunch more people during that time. I'm going to show you the true story of one person who has been fed as Jesus has multiplied our gifts. And as you watch this story, I want you to look for the answer to the question, why? Why would we keep sacrificing? Why would we as a church continue to to kind of painfully give more time, more money, more to God and his movement, why would we not, like so many churches do, circle the wagons and kind of become like a Christian cruise ship where we all just like, well, God help my marriage. My family's good now. We all start to speak Christianese and we all just kind of pat each other on the back and and we're all safe and we're kind of barricaded off from this crazy world. Why not do that, which would be so much more comfortable? Why keep stepping out in faith? Why keep sacrificing Here's why. My name is Amy Russell. I am from Troy, Ohio. 
I was raised in the First Presbyterian Church in Sydney, Ohio, and at age 18, I lost my mother to lymphoid cancer. When, when it finally got diagnosed that she was gonna die, I couldn't accept it. And let's face it, I hated God. I hated him for taking my mom. I still had too many unanswered questions. I needed more advice. I needed, you know, more guidance. Everybody else had their mom. I didn't have a mother. So no sooner did my mother die, I moved out of the house, refused to go back to the church, and went through life moving from drugs, from alcohol, Still wasn't back with my faith or anything. Tried to get back to it a few times and just couldn't do it. And then two years ago, my best friend found out she had terminal gallbladder cancer. She lived here in Brownsburg and I met Kim Lucas. So I started coming down to Kim's house, which is only four houses away from my best friend. And we were up in her sewing room and we just started having conversations. And each time we'd have a conversation, she was like, well, you're here in town for the weekend. She said, come check us out at Connection Point. That's all she would do. She wouldn't push, she wouldn't shove. And eventually I went one Sunday. It didn't matter that they didn't know who I was, but I felt like I was welcomed the instant I walked through that door and the feeling was so overwhelming that I wanted to go back. Because of living in Ohio, you know, I couldn't. And then Kim had always talked to me about the online ministries. I was then not coming back over. I was only coming over for visits every six weeks or so. So about a year ago after losing Cindy, um, everybody knows over home in Ohio that my phone is turned off at 11.15 every Sunday and that I am sitting there with my tablet, streaming and watching the sermons that are on that week, and nobody bothers me. <laughs> so the online ministry has helped me stay in touch with Connection Point. The next step was, Kim kept saying, well, are you ready to get baptized? Are you ready to get baptized? So on June 23rd, I believe it was of this year, I had my best friend from Ohio, Marge Gaskell, come with me. And Kim and Marge then baptized me and uh, was baptized and surrendered to uh, Jesus. And things are starting to get brighter. Uh, things are starting to get clearer. Uh, the weight is starting to lift off my shoulders. If you would be talking to me two years ago, three years ago, I would have told you then, nah. I would never have gone back to church. I was done with it all. I was really done with it all. No matter what, you can always come home. Doors always open. So Amy's one of 7,670 people who we've gotten to add to our movement in the last five years as God multiplied what each of us brought. Each of us just brought what we could by faith, and God has multiplied it online, in person, in the next generation. And the reality is that 
there are many more Amy's out there for us to reach. Our online ministry is, is fully funded and is going great. Our physical locations, we were looking earlier this year, if you look week, well, year over year, so like the same week a year ago, we noticed that we're plus 1,600 people in our physical attendance. This is a great thing, okay? Um, but this is also a bit of a dilemma because our Sunday mornings, especially on kind of the peak, peak weeks of the year, there's just not a lot of room and it's tough to get in and out of the parking lot. And so we've had to pray about, okay, God, how do we as a movement continue to reach more people for you? Uh, and specifically for me, as, as, as the one who serves as your lead pastor, I turned 40 this last year, and I'm looking out ahead. I'm planning for the next 25 years of my life from now till 65. You guys are pretty much stuck with me. And um, my goal at the end of my life when I see Jesus is that I will have loved Mel well, I will have loved God well, and loved my kids and raised them for him. And then next to that, that I will have given everything I have, everything I have so that this movement can reach as many as possible for Jesus. And so on the one hand, I'm surrendered that if God just wants us to be a church in Brownsburg, I'm his servant. But on the other hand, I look at what we're doing. Your guys' hearts, our staff, the way God's working. And I'll drive around these other suburbs around Indianapolis, and there's this reality that the only barrier between us and a whole bunch of Amy's and a whole bunch of others in all these other suburbs is just a building, a location in those areas. And then each time we have one, us having about 200 from here who would be willing to go for 18 to 24 months and literally serve as a missionary for a year and a half or two years and say, uh, just like people are doing right now, I'm going to drive to Avon, get that location going, just like a little sapling, be part of kind of getting its roots in the ground, uh, and then we'll just keep sending out and adding. But here's the thing, we don't have the money to do that. <laughs> and you look around at real estate. I mean, you guys know how expensive houses have gotten, but imagine looking for properties the size for a church. So we're in this unique spot where the only thing between us and I believe truly a spirit-led revival work of God spreading from Brownsburg all around Indianapolis is the locations to start these. So you guys ready to hear my miracle? All right. My miracle goes back nine years. And it started when Mel and I lived in Arizona and a church in the Indianapolis area flew me out here to preach for a weekend. And it was on that trip that I sensed a very clear calling from God that I was supposed to move my family to Indiana, supposed to raise my kids in these suburbs, be among the people, put down deep roots, and lead a movement of God in central Indiana. Well, that was nine years ago. And for four years, we prayed, and not a single door opened for us to come this way. In fact, God clearly opened a door the other way in California. And I remember Mel and I both remember making that move to where I was a teaching pastor out there and thinking, God, this is kind of the wrong direction from Arizona. But we went there and we were faithful. And uh, Mel can attest to this when I kneel at the side of my bed and pray at night that praying specifically for Indiana and specifically for that first community that I visited nine years ago has just been on, on my heart ever since. 
one of the things I do as kind of a pastor nerd is on my days off, I'll drive around the other suburbs where I believe God wants us to be someday. And I'll pray for the people I see, and I'll look at old church buildings and storefronts and movie theaters, and I'll, I'll pray, God, could we maybe someday have a location here? Could we someday have a location there? Well, as my story went, six years ago, someone reached out to me and said, hey, there's a church in Brownsburg, Indiana. Now, please forgive me. I had never heard of Brownsburg. And, and then I looked at it on the map, but then I flew in and I visited, and I said, oh, this is so, this is so similar. It's young families raising their kids. It's and, and Mel and I prayed, and we met with the elders, and it was so clear. Brownsburg was where it would begin. And it was so clear as we, as we settled in here and led the congregation through a pastor transition, and then through launching digital ministry, getting our next-gen ministries to where we want them to be, and then this thing called COVID came along. And it's just been faithfully one day at a time, serving God where, where he's clearly working. But all along, praying for this other community in the Indiana, Indianapolis area, just praying, God, someday, would you allow us to have a location there? So now that Avon's growing and doing well, we're searching for a building for Avon. Uh, keep praying for that. But this other community that I've driven over and over again, here's a picture from this last year. I was over there driving, and I stopped at this church and just walked around it and prayed it. Now, this is over at Keystone Avenue. If you know much about commercial real estate, this is a great spot because you've got six lanes of traffic, tens of thousands of cars a day driving by. Uh, if you look in the distance, you see the highway sign for 465, but if you see those tall buildings in the distance, that's the Keystone Mall. So this is just a phenomenal location. And uh, as we prayed about this, here's actually a picture I sent to one of our executive pastors this last summer. And I let him and our elders know, guys, I'm just praying by faith that God will open a door. Well, uh, it took a long time for us to get into discussions uh, with the little church there. There's about 20 or 30 people who continue to meet there. Uh, and there were times where it looked really good, and then there were times where it looked really impossible. Back in March, it was looking really impossible, and a friend of mine texted me a Bible verse. It's this obscure story in the Old Testament about laying down a stick and, and praying. And I drove over there in the rain, and I picked up this stick. This is how weird I am, okay? And I'm kneeling there, and I'm praying, and one of the things God's been teaching me about faith is like, step out as if God's going to answer the prayer. So it's like, well, if God's going to answer the prayer, I might as well take a picture so when he does, I can show everyone how faithful God is. So, you know, just to put this in perspective, where this land is, um, I mean, they've been approached by Tom Wood car dealerships and other groups, but this little church, they want it to be used for God. We could not afford that land, um, but we've met with them, and we invited them to come, and they visited here on Thursday nights, and to see what God's doing, see the young families in our kids' area, envision that building remodeled and full of people coming to know Christ. You guys want to know what God did this last week? <laughs> Here's the family that has stewarded that church. It's a three-generation family. The grandparents who are in heaven started that church. The next generation, she's 78, 
And then her son, who's 55, is the pastor there now. Precious, humble, godly people. As we got to know them and we just shared the vision of, hey, um, we're not going to just take out a giant bank loan and buy land. And we couldn't buy land here if we wanted to. Nothing's for sale. Would you guys partner with us? Would you allow us to maximize this building? So uh, my prayer was that this would happen by May 4th, which was this last Thursday. And uh, down to the hour, here's this last Thursday, our executive pastor, Andy Stevenson, with 78-year-old Brenda, her son, David, who's the pastor there. And here's David signing the paperwork to entrust that facility to us to use it to reach people for Jesus. Can we just celebrate what God's doing? To God be the glory, it's something only he could do. It's, it's really unique, you know. Um, most big churches that multiply just take out a giant bank loan, and we just did not feel that was God's approach for us. And as we prayed, uh, so this little group, there are about 20 or 30 left of them. It's a 29,000-square-foot building. Um, we're going to remodel 5,000 square feet for them to keep meeting in. Uh, and they're going to meet, our services will be 9 and 11, theirs is 10.30. So they actually want to come to our 9 o'clock and then walk down the hall and go to their 10.30. And it's just this beautiful, the front 24,000 square feet we get to remodel for us to use to reach people for Jesus. And it's just this, this miracle of believers really seeking first the kingdom of God and working together. And here's my request of you this month of May would you join me in this miracle? Because here's what I believe. And I'm going to tell you later a second half to this miracle. It gets even better. Um, myself and others in this church are stepping out by faith. And I believe that if you'll join us, if we'll all step out in faith as a movement, that what's going to happen in the next year is not only the launch of that location, which I think will reach a lot of people, raise a lot of young people, and start other locations— but I, I believe it will unleash 25 years of, of kind of a cascade of miracles as each of us experience what I've been experiencing this last year. I mean, I've been a Christian for a while. I've been a pastor for a while, but really stepping out in bold faith and saying, God, I'm going to pray like you do miracles, and I'm going to take some risks, and I want to be right in the middle of what you're doing. So our next domino of faith, if you will, is to raise the money to renovate this property because it's an awesome location, but it was built in 1960. And it looks like it. If you go inside, it's like a time capsule. And uh, what we know from this location is that, you know, to, to reach people well, it needs to feel clean and nice and new, especially the kids' area needs to feel like that. And, and so my prayer here in this next year is for us to raise the money uh, to go ahead and start remodeling that and for each of us to make commitments that will add up to enough that we know we can go ahead. We've already, we're meeting with our architect there on Tuesday and that we can go ahead and start doing what we need to do there. So here it is in, in really kind of three sentences. Would you be part of what God's doing? That's the invitation. Would you choose to join me in saying, God, um, I asked you for the month of April to grow my faith. I, I'm now choosing. There's an opportunity. I'm going to step out. Please do grow my faith. And I believe every one of us who will make that choice from the heart, we're going to experience God in a fresh way. That has been my life these recent months. This has been such a, a wild roller coaster and adventure 
of experiencing God. So how can you be part of the miracles that God's doing? Well, when you give here by serving, you're part of what he's doing. And then when you give here financially, every dollar, we're what's called a one-fund church. So every dollar just gets divvied up across all our ministries, our 26 missionaries, our youth worldview initiative, our students, our kids, our online ministry, Brownsburg, Avon, and now this location over in Hamilton County on the north side. I sat down at my desk to try to add up, okay, um, if, we were, if we were looking to raise $2 million, which we're actually looking to raise $4 million, that's what that building's going to need. If we were looking to raise $2 million, what would it look like through kind of a monthly giving lens? Because most of us, we do our bills monthly, right? Netflix is monthly. If you've got a car payment, it's monthly. Mortgage or rent is monthly. Uh, here's what this would look like. And here's where I just want to ask you to ask God to show you what your step is. Each one of us, we're in a different place, spiritually, financially, etc. So don't worry about your neighbor. Just think about for you, what would a step of faith look like? Would it be, uh, and this is increased. So maybe you're giving zero. And if you went to $100 a month, that's $100 a month increase. And, and I know that's a lot. Others of you, maybe, maybe you're looking at this, you're like, who's the person down at the bottom, one gift of 90,000 or more? Here's the beautiful thing about the body of Christ. That person knows exactly who they are. And God's got each of us at different places. So don't worry about your neighbors. Don't worry about anyone else. The question is, for me, for my family, if you've got a family, if you're married for us as a couple, what would an increase that, that pinches us a little, hurts us a little, and is given as a sacrificial, here's my bread, here's my fish, Jesus, take this and multiply it, what would that look like for you? I believe if you ask God, he'll show you that. And it's between you and God what that is. But I, I want to invite you, it won't happen, even though God miraculously gave us the building, and I'm going to share another miracle at the end here, it's not going to happen unless we all kind of pool together and each of us take a step. So I'm going to invite you to grab that brochure that was on your seat. I'm not going to walk you through the whole thing. You can take that with you and study it. But if you flip all the way to the back, there's a flap at the back, and in there you'll see this yellow card that says, Our Calling. Our Calling. If you open that card which by the way, it doesn't have teeth on it. It's not going to bite you. But if you open that card, you'll see on the right where it says, my step of faith. And if you're watching online with us, you can go to cp.news, click our calling. You can get all these same resources. There's these first four boxes. And I just want to ask you, which one of these fits you? Now, if you're here and you're like, I'm not even a Christian. I don't, well, we don't really want your money. We want to get you to Jesus first, okay? This is for believers who are part of this movement. Now, if you're a believer, which of these first four boxes best describes how you want to experience God in the next year? Remember, the more you step out, the more you experience him. So maybe it's just beginning some kind of sacrificial giving. Maybe you're, you've been at zero and, and there's nothing left every month. And it's like, well, I all start at 25 or 50. Like, that's a big sacrifice for me. Start there. Others of you, you've done that. And, and here's how this works. If you bring God what you have, and then if you say, God, my finances are yours as a whole, um, God will start to help you make what you have go further. 
It sounds like magical thinking, but I'll show you in a moment how it works in real life. And so some of you, you've experienced that. You started a year or two ago at 25 or 50 or 100 or 200, and maybe you're ready to increase to start moving toward that 10% goal. There's Bible passages that talk about this kind of ideal target of giving 10% of your income. Others of you, you've been inching your way up, and it's time to, to hit that mark of 10%. What we're asking for is a commitment for the next 12 months so we can raise the water line so that we kind of know from the commitments, okay, we've got enough committed to start remodeling the new building. Others of you, it might not be monthly giving, but it might be an additional offering or a one-time stretch gift. And that's going to look different for different people. There's people in the church who are in a place where, you know, you could just write a big check and it really wouldn't even make that big a difference, but it's going to hurt a little and you're going to do that. Others, you're like, I have nothing extra. There's nothing extra to go around. And you get creative. It's like, I'm going to have a garage sale. I'm going to sell stuff on Facebook Marketplace. I'm going to sell stuff on eBay. And I'm just going to like make as much money as I can. And I'm going to give that. And that'll be my, my thing. This is different for each one of us. It's a heart thing. I want to show you a couple that started one year ago when we had an opportunity to have giving doubled for a year. They stepped out to commit to regular giving, just schedule it monthly like Netflix and everything else. Say, God, you matter to me as much as my Netflix and my phone payment and my rent. And so I'm going to schedule you in monthly. Look what God did in their lives. I'm Mariana Gaiman. And I'm Tim Gaiman. For me, money's, money's kind of a sticky thing a little bit. I wasn't really in tune with like, budgeting. I mean, I knew how to budget, but I hadn't, I hadn't had to think about it, right? We started Financial Peace University with the thought that as a foundation of our marriage, uh, not only do we want to uh, have church involved, but this is a good way to also have our finances all tied together. The main things that we learn that we learn in financial peace is that we have to put giving as our main priority. That's what we did when we started budgeting. Uh, we were writing out our budget and physically writing checks out to the, to the church and taking them. And then the church gave us an opportunity to match all the funds that we were giving by signing up for recurring giving. It was kind of painful, I would say, because at that point, we, we had some debts that we needed to get rid of. Prioritizing the giving to the church over the debts, it's a difficult thing to do, right? At the same time that we, start, we started like the, the match program, we started to see more financial freedom. We were starting to see some room for expenses like for us. Probably at the beginning, I didn't connect like the giving with all the blessings that we have had. But I remember like praying for patience and that things worked out, even though we, we weren't seeing, we didn't see the things like happening super fast. The months went by and we saw how our budgets were getting better. We were able to pay debt too. We got rid of the credit cards and, and we are more free um, in that matter right now. I'm just like feeling much more in peace uh, because of that also, because I know that I have that support. I know that I'm not alone. 
Um, I know that he is with me, accompanying me in every decision that we get to take together. When you break the mindset of being selfish about your finances, it brings a whole new perspective into your life and it really allows God to work in all aspects of your life. To see all the great things that occur in the church and through the church and, and just coming in and out of those doors, our small contribution, it's not gonna move the needle, but you know, when, when you combine everybody's together and, and all the intent and all the purpose of that money, um, going to the community is just like extremely powerful and way more powerful than we can be. So that's how God worked in Tim and Mariana's life. They really did exactly what we're learning about. They, they stepped out in a tangible way. This was a year ago and they've experienced God's faithfulness. Now, as we said at the beginning, our mission is to maximize your life, your walk with Christ. And so we're not here to like suck you dry or, or milk you, okay? We're here for you to experience what you just saw, where as you learn God's way with your finances, you start paying off debts, you're more financially free. Uh, almost a theme uh, in my life, and me and Mel have experienced it, and the families we know that have gotten to that 10% mark of giving is that these families don't have debt other than a mortgage. Now, they didn't start there. None of us started there. We all had car payments and other stuff, but we learned God's way and we applied his truths. And now to be financially free, where what you have goes way further than you thought because you've just learned how to really manage it well, um, is something that we want for you. So we've got these financial classes. They described one of them called Financial Peace University. These are free. These are available to you at cp.news. Um, and by the way, we don't track like, oh, Sam Smith went to financial peace. Is he giving now? We don't, we don't track that, okay? It is going to teach you God's principles and then do with it what you will. But you just saw uh, from that dear couple how God's working in their life. Here's what I want to ask you. Ask God to show you what amount would be sacrificial over these next 12 months sacrificial really in correlation to how much you want to experience him. And, and here's what I would challenge you with. Sacrifice for God for 12 months and see what he does. I think those two words, for God, are so important. If you're a newer believer, it's so important that you know, never give out of emotional manipulation. Never give because of one human leader. Give somewhere where you know Jesus is what it's all about, his word is what's being taught, and you know that you're giving it to the work of God. So, so sacrifice for God for 12 months and see what he does. All right, you guys ready for the second half of the miracle? This is my last thing, one more thing, okay? My one last thing. So uh, as this church started to talk with us and as I walked around it praying and I thought, boy, it's gonna take like at least $4 million to renovate this thing. Back in January, when I taught on prayer, I started praying more specific. I started praying that they'd sign it over by the first weekend of May. And then I started praying that God would provide $4 million for us to remodel it. And I prayed specifically that some of the families in our movement to whom God has entrusted a lot financially, that they would lead the way by putting up the first two million so that the rest of us middle-class people could do what we can. And hundreds or thousands of us 
could have our giving matched or doubled so that if we can all give two million, it'll be doubled to four million. So started praying that. And uh, 18 days ago, it was a Tuesday, two weeks ago, it was finally clear with, with the church there, this is probably gonna happen. So there's a, a brother in our church. It's actually the guy who challenged me, John, pray that God will grow your faith. And I called him, I've never done this before in my life. You talk about a risk and a step of faith. I called him and I asked him for $2 million toward this building. A <laughs> little bit bold, a little bit bold. Here's what's really cool. He said, uh, we've been praying with you. We've been praying about it as a couple. And my wife and I have prayed and we want to commit the first one million. But John, we have a second million that's going to be coming to Connection Point. But here's the thing. I want you guys to put that in your pocket when it comes. It'll probably be a year from now. And I want you to use it for the next one because John, I believe you guys are just getting started. Is that faith? That is faith. Now, you might be listening, and I know I can't relate to ever being able to give a million dollars, and so it just kind of blows your mind. But here's the thing. This is still a sacrifice, okay? This is a sacrifice for this couple. And then there's another couple that kind of understands commercial real estate, and I talked with them, and they said, we'll do 250000 so then I text the elders. I'm like, okay, we're at 1.25. I'm praying, for, I'm praying for two by May 4th so that I can go to our people and say, if we can all raise two million, it'll be doubled. And then the next person I met with, he did 500,000. So we're up to 1.75. And that was on Monday of uh, this week. <laughs> and then from Monday to Thursday, it was like, God, are we going to get there? Are we going to get to two million? I've been praying this since January. Like, Lord, give us the building. Move in some people who you've entrusted a lot to to put up two million. Then move in all of us to match it. And then, Lord, uh, this time next year, may that building be remodeled and full of people coming to know Jesus. And just one domino at a time, God has continued to do it. To the point that on Thursday, Thursday morning, we were at like 1.87, you know, like, a million eight hundred seventy thousand, and I, I told my leadership team, I was like, "Guys, I've got to start working on the sermon, and you know, we're just going to, have to see if this other hundred and thirty will." Literally three hours before our Thursday night service, one of my executive pastors called me to come over to uh, their office, and she's like, "John, guess what? Another family called, and it's at it's at two million. So here's the thing, you guys. Yeah, it's. <laughs> That, that happened in 16 days. That's like only God. Only God could do that. And here's where I just want to invite you. Like I stepped out in faith with the prayer and with my time and with what I can give. We actually have our, our pastor for that location, Chris Maloney, is sitting over here. He's been preparing to pastor in that area. Now we've got 15 families who stepped out, each of them in a sacrificial gift for them. That's what sacrifice looked like for them. 15 families for the first 2 million. Now, if hundreds or thousands of us as families will do what we can do, it'll, it'll get matched and be four total. So here's that chart again. I know it might've looked a little impossible, but there's, there's a place for you on here somewhere. There's a step for you on here somewhere. 
or God will show you what your step is if it's not on here. But the beautiful thing is that total at the bottom gets doubled through these 15 families up to 2 million. Now, if you're gonna give more than 2 million, it won't be doubled above that, okay? But, but how phenomenal this is, you guys. God is at work. And I truly believe if each of us will just do what we can do, uh, we're gonna see him do miracles over on that side of town. I know for some of you, it might feel like that's Nineveh when, when God called Jonah to Nineveh, but, but just trust me with the same sense I had from God long before COVID of we've gotta do digital, God has a reason. I just know we've, we've gotta be there. God has a reason uh, and he's gonna use it. It'll be another expression of us. So um, would you guys join me this month in just praying and asking God what he would have you to do? That's all, that's all I'm asking you. And uh, right now, if you'd stand with me, I wanna pray over you. This is a prayer that I wrote out. I do this through the week. I don't normally share these with you guys, but I pray for you guys throughout the week. And this, this is part of my prayer that I was journaling when I was praying for you guys this week. Maybe close your eyes, just kind of receive this as a blessing and pray it with me for our church. Father, would you move in the hearts of anyone here who hasn't yet experienced the joy of giving? And would you move in the hearts of all of us who are giving, that each of us, Lord, would take our next sacrificial step forward? Almighty God, I pray that you would show yourself to your people, that you'd speak to them. I pray that you'd move each one of us to a, a written down, communicated commitment and then to a follow-through, Lord. God, I, I pray, Lord, that, that you'd bless every person who chooses to seek first your kingdom. God, I, I wanna pray that you'd give them health, provide for them financially, give them supernatural protection, give them blessings in every domain of life that they would receive as from you, that they would perceive as being from you, and God, that every person who steps out in surrendered faith would experience your faithfulness. God, I pray for this flock, this movement, that you would grow us in our faith, grow us in our surrender, grow us in our obedience, grow us in our harvest, because Lord, your harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We will be your laborers, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would plant your words in our hearts this week, that each person would hear not from a human, but from you, so that together we would unleash 25 years of miracles that you have planned. Lord, if it's your will for CP locations in every suburb around Indianapolis, raising up a generation who 25 years from now will take the baton from us and outdo us and Lord actually change the cultural and social fabric of the state of Indiana from the inside out, Lord, moving from the center out. God, would you take the little bit of bread and fish that we have? Would you multiply it miraculously beyond what we could ask or imagine? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Wow, thank you guys. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you. Just my only request is that you just seek God this week, see what he asks you to do, and join us next week for Mother's Day. Don't forget it's Mother's Day. See you then.
Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.